Before we go into our time of singing, I want to have just kind of a brief discussion on principles of interacting with the public sphere in our day and age. I don't mean public as in political. I mean public as in online. We live in the age of Facebook and Twitter and sound bites and mic drops and brief posts and phrases and those are the things that are easy, easy to read and easy to share and easy to like and easy to dislike and easy to put the little angry face on and you can do both. So what are some biblical principles that should guide our discourse, our conversation as brothers and sisters in Christ, both in person and online? And I'm driving at the, the kind of basic observation behind this conversation is that everybody gets offended at everything anymore. It is so easy to offend people even by stating things that are obvious. So the question becomes, why? Why does everybody get bent out of shape by the most simple? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you might say. You could say emotional abuse is not biblical justification for divorce. If you post that on Facebook, there's a really good chance that you're going to get just a slew of, of rage in the comments. Or you could say, you could say something as simple as wives should submit to their husbands, parentheses, Ephesians 5.22. Slew of rage. Or um, men are called to be protectors of their families. Slew of rage. Just any, any obvious things. You can just pick it out. There are so many obvious things you can say. And you will get just ripped apart for it. And that, that, can be, that can apply to the other side too. I mean you can say something like men should be compassionate and should be able to cry. What are you going to get? Do you, you, you feminist, you feminized. Men are supposed to be strong and brave. It doesn't matter. You can get it on either side. We're very, very polarized and quick to see what someone says and immediately assume, oh, you said that, therefore you are this. You said that men need to be able to express their emotions. You must be a woke feminist. You said that wives should submit to their husbands. Oh, you must be a, a tyrannical patriarch. You said fill in the blank. You said that there's such a thing as boys and girls. You must hate LGBT people. It doesn't just fill in the blank. Whatever the obvious statement is, the knee-jerk reaction goes straight to rage in the public sphere. We're very polarized. Okay, so that's, that's the situation on the ground. That's what you see over and over again. The question is, how does the Lord want us to deal with that? How do we walk through? That, that's, just, that's where we're at right now in our culture. We're at this point where you, you say anything and you're going to set people off. They're, they're going to be triggered to borrow the word. And so how do we deal with that? How are we called to deal with that both on the speaking end and on the receiving end? Okay, On the speaking end, so here's principle number one. The tongue of the righteous ponders how to give an answer. Or the heart of the righteous ponders how to give an answer. The reference, you can check my, my quotation, but the reference is Proverbs 15, 28. And the other one is Proverbs 15.2. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. Again, check the reference. I'm quoting from, from my head here. But the heart of the righteous ponders how to give an answer. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. So as speakers or writers or posters or tweeters, we are called to have a wise tongue that makes knowledge acceptable. Now, does that mean that we are called 
to stress out and belabor ourselves so that we don't offend anyone. Well, good luck with that. You can either just not say true things or you can just live in a world of stress trying to make sure that you say everything perfectly and you'll still offend people. So that's, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to speak the truth in love. But what we should not have is a cynical heart that says, ah, people are going to be mad anyway, so I'm just going to spit out a bunch of stuff that's true and I don't care if it makes people mad. It's easy to get cynical in a time where even if you say true things and you say them in love, you're still going to get a slew of rage. But we're called not to become cynical. We're called to speak the truth in love and in wisdom and to do our part so that the offense would be the truth. The offense would be the gospel, not our presentation. That doesn't mean doing what we do, seeking the approval of men. That doesn't mean judging our success by whether or not people like us. It does mean seeking to walk humbly with our God and to speak what he wants us to say and not just what our cynical, frustrated heart or our, our pride or our opinions lead us to say. Okay, so there's principle number one. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. acceptable. That's on the speaking end. On the hearing end, James 1, 19 through 20. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Just because we live in a day and time where the reaction so commonly is one of, of anger and speaking right away, assuming, oh, I know what you are. Oh, you're one of those. Oh, here's all the things that are wrong with what you said, even though you didn't actually say that. I can tell because you said this, and that sounds like that, and so you must believe that, and so I'm straightening you out. Even if that's the culture that we live in, that's just an opportunity for us to present an alternative. Because the Lord tells us, be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. So instead of assuming, oh, you said that and so you must be a, a, a rabid feminist. Oh, you must be a, a tyrannical patriarch. Oh, you must be a... Instead, our response should be, okay, what do you mean by that? And we ask some questions and we drill down to some, some biblical foundation. What, what passage are you coming? What did you go through in your life? Why do, you, why do you feel this way? And could it be that your experiences are, are making you read scripture a certain way, but that's not actually what the Bible's saying here? And so now I'm asking questions and I'm caring about them and I'm listening to what they have to say without, without compromising on the truth, without refusing to say the offensive things without living my life just to please man. Nevertheless, with a humble heart, I want to ask the questions and seek to learn to understand them before I just assume and start attacking what I think they must mean by what they said. We have the opportunity to present that in a polarized and combative culture to present a heart that really wants to love and listen. I, I really care about you. Why is it that you're saying this? And, and what does that mean? Now, does that mean that you have the time to do that on every single Facebook thread? Not necessarily. And there are some times where it's pretty obvious what's being said. But nevertheless, we've got to remember this principle. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Okay, so that's principle number two. Slow to speak, quick to hear. James 1, 19 through 20. Now, the third principle, and the one that I think is probably the most important in all of this, is that we need the local church. You cannot replace the local church with internet interaction. 
That's part of the problem, I believe. That's part of why it gets so combative and polarized because I don't know you, you don't know me, we're on Facebook. And so it's really easy for me to say, that's stupid. That, that's not what the Bible says and post a bunch of references because I don't know you. I'm just, I'm responding to your post. There's no, there, there's not much care. There's not much love because you're, you're a name and a face on Facebook that I, I may never have even met, right? Now, that's not saying that that's how you should react, but it makes it a whole lot easier then if this is the guy that I've known for 10 years and we're sitting around the fellowship meal and he says something I disagree with, I'm not going to say, well, that's stupid. Or if I do, it's going to be in the context of a lot more relationship where we're going to talk through it together, right? So God designed the local church, and here's some references for you. Galatians 6, 2, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, and Hebrews 13, 17. So Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, that's don't forsake assembling together. Consider how to provoke one another to love and good works. The context there is not consider how to provoke one another to love and good works on Facebook. Now, should you do that on Facebook? Sure. That's good. But the, the immediate context is don't forsake assembling together. You've got to come together and get to know each other and consider proactively how can I help Luke walk with Jesus? And how can Luke help me walk with Jesus? This is not an abstract question. This is a practical day-to-day body life question. How can we strengthen each other's hands to fight the good fight? You can't do that the same way on the internet. So part of our problem could be that we just prioritize internet discipleship too highly altogether. Instead, our primary focus when it comes to discipleship and relationship building should be right here. In the local church, Hebrews 13, 17 is the one that talks about submitting to your elders, your pastors, your local church authority, because they have watch over your souls. God gave them a responsibility as a shepherd that the people on Facebook don't have. Even pastors on Facebook are not shepherds of your soul. They don't know you. R.C. Sproul Sproul is a great guy, or was a great guy when he was alive. He was an amazing saint, great legacy, loved his messages, but he wasn't your pastor. So you can learn from R.C. Sproul. You can learn from John MacArthur. They've got a lot of great things to say. You can watch YouTube videos all day, and that's wonderful, and we're blessed. But that's not a replacement for someone that God has given charge over your soul. That's just the way God designed it. You can't have that without the local church. So how does that play out practically? Well, when somebody posts on Facebook, wives should submit to their husbands, that's, there's, there's no relationship. There's no context and so it's these people who had bad experiences in their marriage, who had abusive husbands, whatever the case may be, some of whom have legitimate complaints and had real problems and had people that really were telling them, submit to your husband in terrible situations and it was not biblical or balanced advice. They're going to read that sentence and they're going to blow up at you. Well, you don't know them. They don't know you. And you're going to wind up in an argument. But your pastor knows you. Your brothers and sisters in the church know you. And so the advice can be, much more to what you need, to what I need, because we can walk through things together. And so now I know your past experience, and you know my past experience, and I know why this is rubbing you the wrong way, and I can lovingly say, hey, I know you don't want to hear this right now, but this is what the Bible has to say about the situation. That's very, very different than some random post on Facebook that may be saying a true thing, but we we have this propensity to hear the wrong thing at the wrong time. So often, even if it's true, 
we're really good at hearing it the wrong way and missing the point. When it comes to the online interactions, you've got to realize it, th- this post might not be for me. My marriage might not need this piece of advice, but there might be other marriages out there that do. My marriage might indeed suffer if I overapply this advice, but that doesn't mean that this person is, is foolish or speaking lies. Maybe somebody else is going to benefit from this. We've got to give grace to each other on these online conversations because everybody's just, they're throwing out their truths and trying to do their best. That doesn't mean there aren't heretics who need to be rebuked, absolutely. But we've got to have a lot of grace when it comes to the online, and we've got to realize that God's design primarily is for the local body because we know each other, and we can love each other and talk to each other and see each other's needs and struggles and talk about our pasts and ask, why does that offend you? And What is it that you're unsure about? And we can walk through these things together. That's God's design. And as we provoke one another to love and good works, and we submit to our pastor as the one that God has put as in charge and watch over our souls, that's God's design for our growth and for our blessing. And we don't want to miss out on that. That's good stuff. That's what the local church is for. And you can't replace that with Facebook. Facebook.